Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. Today, we're going to talk about how do we create loops in our loop interrupters in our brains that help us to facilitate change in our bodies. I also want you to know a very specific message. Listen all the way to the end for my specific message. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. Before we kick off today's episode, I do want to talk about a little bit about last week's. I talked about kids and technology, got a couple emails. Uh, one that I want to address specifically, one of the emails said, Joe, are you suggesting that we don't give consequences to our kids at all. And the answer is no, I am not suggesting that. I am just suggesting that the consequences be less severe in, in uh, bite and duration so that they can be repeated more often. In other words, my expectation is that my kids will not you know, make the change on the first time that I do an intervention. They might not make a change on the first multiple times that I do an intervention. So I want to be sure and and make sure that my intervention with them is is minimal. It's 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 enough to create a loop break in their thought process. And and we're going to actually talk about this a little bit today. What does that mean and and, and how do we do that? Cuz that's really what we when we start to talk about change what we're actually talking about is how do we create a break in our normal brainwave activity that will then change our behavior. And this is true for all change. In fact, we're going to talk about individual change this morning and how we need to create that, that thought interrupter, that loop interrupter is what, what we'll often call it. But to answer the, the couple emails that I got about that, I want to be clear, there should be consequences, there can be consequences, I just think that sometimes the intervention that gets most overlooked is just literally stopping the child and saying, hey, that's not that action doesn't align with our values. Or, hey, you can't do that. You should do this instead. Or, hey, let if they're a little bit older, let's talk about what it is that you're doing here and why you're doing it. And this is a conversation that I have with, I mean, adults as clients. I have it with interns. I've had it with employees. Talk to me about how what you're doing is going to move you to where you want to be. That is an intervention. That is a consequence. And that was the point. I also did get one email. In fact, it was the first email I got and perhaps the most strongly worded. Uh, someone was not happy with the fact that I use voices or I, I change my voice uh, when I am, you know, interacting as other individuals. To that, I say this probably isn't the podcast for you. Sorry. Uh, I, I've, I've debated how to best respond. I know we talked on email, but I'm sure there's probably other people. Uh, th- this is a podcast that is essentially my a professional opinion and personal opinion on many things in life. And, you know, one, one of the things that you first read, if you start reading about how to do a podcast, they tell you don't do a podcast by yourself. Always do it with someone else. And for three years now, I've done it by myself. I've talked about trying to get my wife in and, and her and I doing it, and that hasn't worked yet. Uh, I've done some interviews with people, but by and large, this is just my my thing. I sit down in front of a mic and stare off into space like I'm talking to somebody, and, and I talk. 
And I'll probably use voices again in the future. I, there's just no way that I could ethically say, hey, I won't do that again because I'll probably forget. So like I told that person in the email, hey, if that really bothers you, this might not be the best podcast for you. The good news is there's like 800,000 podcasts out there. Um, I'm sure you'll find one that, that scratches your itch. And that's cool. Like, let's move on with life. That's good. Uh, the last email that I want to address is someone did reach out and ask me about our marriage retreat. And we have had to put that on hold for circumstances beyond our control uh, right now with COVID and some other things going on uh, that, that we just we don't have quite the flexibility that we wanted to have to be able to pull that off this fall. And so it looks like it's going to happen this spring. Stay tuned. We will give more information. It is going to be extremely limited participation, essentially six couples, uh, maybe four uh, that's one of the things that, that we're trying to really run down is we want to keep it small enough that it can be an intimate experience for the couples that come. And we want to make it big enough that we're able to help as many people as we can and still deliver on the idea of, of you know, having an intimate weekend to work on your relationship. And, and so that is on hold currently. We will get to that in the spring and more details will be forthcoming. All right, let's talk about change. Let's talk about how do we change as people. One of the things that I think is often a struggle for people is they want to change. They want to go do something. They want to make a, a, a change in their life. And as they try to engage the change process, what happens is we will often hear people say, well, it didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and I didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. And right now you're probably getting annoyed with the phrase, I tried that and didn't work. But I, I, do, I did that on purpose because it kind of sounded like I was just a, a record, right? A scratched record, a broken loop. I was just looping on, well, I tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. And often that's what we do in our brain when we get to a place where we try to engage change and it doesn't work. What happens is we tend to engage the change process right up to the point where it doesn't work. And then we kind of fall off. And some of you might be thinking, well, Joe, I've heard this before. You probably have. I don't know that you've heard what we're going to talk about today. And what we are going to talk about today is, is probably the synthesis of a number of different episodes that have come before. The question is, why do we do the same thing over and over again? And, and part of it is easy to say, well, that's just what we want to do, which is true. That, that is a, a, a truth that I can't get around that Ultimately, people make change when they want to make change. But the change process is often elongated because people don't understand change and they tend to look at any type of relapse as failure. We tend to engage in all or nothing thinking quite a lot in our society. Uh, just this weekend, I was, I was hanging out with friends and they are in a field that is caught in the crossfire of, uh, of how our public interacts with the uh, Corona night, Corona, COVID-19 coronavirus, novel coronavirus, whatever the correct title is, uh, they, they are in the crossfires. And my one friend put up a post um, that engaged in all or nothing thinking. And so I was like, hey, I just got to push back a little bit. And right, this is what friends do. Like we, we push on each other. Uh, we, we spur each other on to doing things uh, that are the best versions of us. And so I was like, Hey, I think that's all. And I think we had to talk about it. He ended up, you know, agreeing and we moved on. One of our other friends was like, well, I don't know about logic, 
but I know how I feel, which is good. Like that, that puts that friend light years ahead of many people who are unable to identify their feelings. But but one of the things that we do is we tend to go all or nothing. And I've talked about this a lot, right? So if you and I are friends, but I like a politician that you don't like, and we agree on everything else, there's a lot of people who go, I can't be friends anymore. Well, that's insanity. Or uh, if, if you're pro-vax and I'm anti-vax, or I'm pro-vax and you're anti-vax, we can't be friends. That's silliness. We, we should be able to be friends with people that we don't agree with on everything because we're not going to agree with uh, with people on everything. That's that's practically impossible. And so one of the things that happens in the change process because of this societal, I, I believe we've been we've been unintentionally raised to to engage in all or nothing thinking. I, I truly believe that if you go back about 35 years and you start looking at how education systems were run. Uh, some theories of childhood development that we developed and quite frankly have since either rejected or have had to, hold on, may I revise that, right? We've had to make serious modifications. We've unintentionally raised a group of adults that feelings, and by feelings I don't mean like, oh, hey, I feel like the Tigers are a great baseball team or I feel like the Lions got robbed Sunday or I feel like uh, sushi is is more desirable than Italian food. I'm not talking about those types of feelings. I'm talking about the feelings that you get internally when someone disagrees with something that you believe. We have created a society with with a 100% all or nothing uh, steering wheel of feelings. So when we engage in the change process, let's say that Jimmy wants to stop smoking. Well, he's not going to feel real well at first. And because he doesn't feel well... He goes back to smoking. I'll do that another day. Uh, and he, he laughs that deep smoker's cough that, you know, if he, if he was being completely transparent with what's going on inside of him, he feels terrible. He feels like a failure. He feels like, like, like he can't do it because he doesn't understand that his body is literally wired and designed to make it easier to do the thing that brought him pleasure before faster next time. To get to that faster next time. Now, it's not just pleasure things. It's all of all the things that we do that are complicated. You can probably brew coffee without thinking about it too much because you've done it so many times. You can probably drive from your house to work without too much thought because you've done it plenty of times. Here's what that means for the change process. When, I don't remember what we named him, Jimmy feels like he can't do it because his body's still craving that cigarette or it's still craving usually the activity involved with the cigarette, right? Like the, like the, the rhythm of, of the hand coming up to the mouth, et cetera, the, uh, the breathing and all of that. It's, it's because his neural pathways have, have literally been designed, been routed to cause his body to feel that way. And here's the thing, it's okay. This is why it's important for us to do hard things. Because the more hard things we do, the more our brain is wired to receive the input of, hey, this is hard, but it's okay. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep processing forward. This is how change occurs. Because we have to interrupt the loop that says, no, no, this is bad because it's not easy. This is bad because it hurts. This is bad because it doesn't feel good. And we have to be able to say, yes, it is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. It does hurt. And yet it's okay. We will recover. We being yourself, right? You're talking to yourself. So you're having conversations with yourself and your brain. 
It, we will recover. We will move through this. We will move forward. And we start to interrupt the loop in your brain that says, go do the easier thing. And so when Jimmy can do that, it's going to be very uncomfortable. I had a client who wanted to quit smoking, and this was tangentially to what the other things were that we were doing. He wanted to quit smoking and quit drinking. The quit drinking one, we usually have to be just more severe than that. People want to be like, well, you know, I want to just build, I want to go from getting blitzed to, to just two beers. It's probably not going to happen. You're probably going to have to go from getting blitzed to no beers for a while. And then we can see. And so we did that and it worked. And he's like, okay, I need to get, I need to stop the cigarette smoke. I'm like, okay, you got to prioritize for me. Do you want to talk about these things that you originally came for? Or do we want to talk about stopping smoking? He's like, I want to talk about these things that we originally came for. And then he smiled this grin and he goes, and, uh, because often when I work with clients, I talk about killing the word, but, and using the word and, and I want to learn how to stop smoking. So I said, okay, well, if we're going to talk about these things, we can't, we don't, I can't, I can't talk, you know, for two hours, your one hour session. And so what we did was we took 10 minutes to devote to the cigarette smoking and the rest of the session went to the other things. And, and essentially what we did was, well, not essentially what we did was we, I basically told him, find something that you can do with your hands when you would normally smoke. So he bought pistachios and he'd crack them and eat them, crack them and eat them. It got to the point where he didn't actually like pistachios, but he'd crack them and put the shell or put the shell in one jar or bag and the, the seed or the nut in another bag. And then his kids would eat the pistachios for him. But what that did was it gave his hands something to do besides light up a cigarette. And what we did was we created a break in the loop, right? So he had a loop when I, when I am stressed, when I am anxious, I'll go light up a cigarette. Okay, well, we need something else for your hands to do so that you can then deal with whatever it is that you're stressed about or you're feeling anxious about. And so we, we created this loop where he started to break pistachios apart with his hands. And in doing that, what happened was he was able then to process what he was anxious about and come up with a different way of processing it. And with a lot of anxiety and stress, if you can learn to sit with it for, for an indefined, but usually shorter than we think it would be, but, it, but it's still an indefined amount of time. If you can it, just sit with it for that amount of time, it will pass. But you need something to do with your body's typical response to stress and anxiety. And this is why the all or nothing thinking hurts us in the change process, because all or nothing thinking says, well, either I'm changed or I'm not. And the reality is it's either I'm changing or I'm not. Changing versus changed. And so, so he was able to use the pistachios. And what he did was he created a loop, a break in his thought processes that allowed him to do something else. Because most people, what happens is, is they start doing things to cope with distress or anxiety, and it becomes an habitual behavior, which means they don't have to think about it. So for myself, I realized, I mean, we're talking six years ago now, maybe I was, I was a stress eater. When I got stressed, I'd go eat. Even if I wasn't hungry, I didn't realize until one day I was super stressed and I was looking for something to eat and I couldn't find my go-to snack. And I was like, why am I even here? I'm not even hungry. Oh, cause I'm stressed. And, and so I had to create a loop that allowed me to stop and think for a moment about how am I going to change? What is the behavior that I'm going to do? So we want to do this on two, 
on, on two planes or two levels, if you will, at two points in the process. One, we want to have a conversation with ourselves and preferably a sheet of paper and a pen where we record the conversation. The next time I'm feeling this emotion or feeling that precedes my behavior that I'm trying to change, I'm going to do this different behavior instead. And so we game plan, we practice. I encourage clients, if they're visual at all, to, to run a movie in their head where they're the star. They're the person in the movie experiencing the emotion that they're trying to allow to trigger a new behavior now and then watch themselves do the healthier behavior. So that's the first place then that we kind of run this through, we, we think about it. And then the second place is when we actually are feeling the emotion, we want to be prepared, which is why we set up that first step, to try a, a new behavior. So we just, we just want to be where we can accept the idea, I'm feeling this emotion, whatever it is, I'm feeling frustrated. So uh, if you are pro-vax and you are frustrated with the people that aren't getting vaccinated, then you want to set yourself up for success by saying, okay, so the next time I feel frustration with them or anger with them, instead of releasing, you know, a torrent of ex explosives or, or verbal explosives, I uh, don't want the, anybody to, to come, you know, look me up. Uh, the next time, but before, instead of releasing verbal explosives, I'm going to do this. And then the second part is we want to be on the lookout for that emotion. So we'll flip the script here for the illustration. If you're anti-vax and you're frustrated with the people that are pro-vax, what are you going to do? You set your intention for what you're going to do the next time you get mad. And then when it happens, you, you hope that the anger will be the trigger that releases the new behavior. It doesn't often work that way at first. And so what we have to do is we have to say, instead of doing anything outward, I'll do this internally. So I used to teach um, a, a class for uh, a people who worked inside a locked institution where one of the things that, that we would do is we would teach them this position that called the thinking position where they would cross one arm across their body so you can't see me, which is good. I have the perfect face for radio. Unfortunately, not the perfect voice. Uh, but, but nonetheless, so, so, right, so you, right now I have my right arm crossed across my body, across the core of my body, and my left elbow is sitting in it, and then my chin is right where my left elbow is, or my left hand is, and I, I, I'm assuming what's called the thinking position. And what this did was it allowed the staff that we were training to be physically prepared in case they were about to be assaulted by a resident so that they could protect themselves. The other thing it does that we didn't talk much about in the class, but it is a true statement, is it causes a physical break in their mental loop that allows them to be more aware of what's going on. And so what it does is it creates an opportunity for them to collect themselves. It, re it creates an opportunity where after they've done it enough times that it actually becomes a signal to their body that even though I'm stressed, I can still act out in these calm behaviors. And so often when we are talking about change and we're talking about creating this loop for our, our, our process, we need to ask ourselves, what's the physical break that I'm going to put in place to stop the change process? Or, or excuse me, to start the change process. Because my assumption is if I'm going to change something, whatever it is I'm working on, I'll fail at more times than not when I start. Because I have to have... Uh, I have to have a process to unlearn. And, and typically, most of the things that I have to unlearn are physical responses that are now ingrained in me because I've learned to do them in those situations. So I have to flip the script. It's the same thing with happiness. 
Uh, right, right. So I deal with a lot of people who are like, hey, in fact, just last night I had a conversation with a client. How can I be happy in the upcoming seasons? Well, the process doesn't change. I'm just going to assume that there's going to be times where I'm more successful at it than others because that's the process of change. That's the process of choosing happiness. There are times where I, my brain's still going to fixate in the stuff that I'm not happy about and, and I have to be willing to engage that very difficult tug of war for control of what's going on inside of me. And here's where I think the, the, the evidence for this idea that we've created a, a society that thinks in all or nothing patterns completely, one of the best opportunities for that is, you know, they'll have six good days, but the seventh day is bad, so everything's bad. Because they fixate on the bad, right? Part of all or nothing thinking is we tend to fixate on the bad because it, it, our body interprets it as dangerous, and so it wants to defend us. Our brain wants to defend us against things that our body sees as dangerous. And so as you engage the change process and it becomes hard, if we've engaged on repeat this idea that if something is hard, I have to stop, we will stop the change process because we're lumping everything together. Now, there are some things that you may decide to quit. Hey, this is harder than I thought it was, and the return on investment isn't going to be what I thought it would be, or this cost me more than I'm willing to pay. All of that's okay if it's thought out. So there are good things that I don't get involved in because they would cost me more than I'm willing to pay. There are things that I get involved in. In fact, one's about to kick off this fall. There's some, something that I got involved in that I'm not sure how it's going to go. So at the end of the fall, winter, spring, I'll probably look at it and evaluate it and be like, okay, here's what the return on investment was. Here's the investment. The two of those match or they don't match. And so I will, I will have to, uh, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to look at here. I'll have to expect that. That's probably a good word. I'll have to expect that for the change process to occur. I need something to disrupt the loop in my head. This is what counseling does. I know I'm winning when a client comes back and they're like, I was going to do this, but then I heard your voice in my head. Awesome. I'm winning. I had one client tell me that that's a little scary because it feels like your voice is so loud in my head for the short time. That's not the goal that the, the short time that's perfect because what you're doing is you're borrowing an outside force and you're bringing it inside. And now what we're going to do is we're going to transition you from it being your counselor's voice to it being your voice. And we're going to continue to slow the space down between thoughts and feelings to actions. That's the essence of change. But at first, we have to get outside of all or nothing thinking. We have to get outside of other uh, cognitive distortions. Most importantly, we have to get to the place where we expect there to be resets. We expect there to be failures. We expect that there will be uh, movement both forwards for progress and backwards for regression because that's how change occurs. And so we embrace the loop, right? So so my guy that, that did the cigarette smoking and went from that to pistachios to nothing. The goal was never for him to crack pistachios for the rest of his life. This is the problem I have with a lot of AA mantras. Once a drunk, always a drunk. I just, I don't buy into that. And I know that upsets people like, well, you're not an alcoholic. You don't struggle with it. You're right. I don't. That's true. Uh, I, I don't, and that is not a, a problem that I have. But I just think that people can change. I think that people can be, come whole. 
I believe that you may have once been an alcoholic and perhaps if you re-engage drinking, you would be again. But if you haven't drank in 15 years, my friend, you're not an alcoholic anymore. You're someone who's been changed. You're someone who has made progress. You're someone who has redeemed the time. Which brings me to the other part of this loop. Remember earlier I said two things and we talked about the two stages. But the other side of this loop is you have to listen to how you talk to yourself. And I've talked about this a lot. How do you talk to yourself? So whoever you are, I want to be really clear on this. You're okay. Yeah, but Joe, no, no, you're okay. I was abused. Honestly, I get that. I can relate. You're still okay. My husband did not value me. I don't, I can't relate to that. I'm sorry, but that sucks and you're okay. My wife didn't appreciate me. I I can't relate to that. I'm sorry. That sucks, but you're okay. My life is an utter failure. I'm sorry to hear that, but today's a new day. You're okay. You are better than okay. But life is really hard. Yes, yes it is. And you're okay. If you forget everything else that I talked about in this podcast, please know this, my friend, you're okay. Whatever your life is today, you can do things to make changes. Whatever's going on, you're okay. Your mistakes don't define you. Quite frankly, your successes don't define you. You have value simply because you exist. All right, I hope this episode was helpful. I hope that you uh, are able to start thinking about how do you create a change loop in your brain, something that interrupts your normal process to help you live a healthy and well life. Uh, If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. If you have a question, feel free to email me, joe at joemartino.com. Please make sure that you put podcast in the subject line or it might not get, it might get missed. Sometimes it gets, I actually have a, a folder that that gets routed to right away and that way I'll see it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.